On the Virtual Bible Studies tonight, we want to talk about the resurrection. We're going to talk about some questions relative to the resurrection. There's so much to talk about the resurrection. Of course, it's ultimately important to our faith to believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead. But there are just some real interesting questions that relate to the resurrection. For instance, and we'll just give a little tease and then we'll get into it. Uh, but how do you explain the three days and three nights that Jesus was supposed to be in the grave? Was he really in the grave three days and three nights? He said he was going to be. Was he? We'll talk about that and a lot more. Don't go anywhere. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we are on the virtual bible study for thursday march 29th 2018 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad Hey, Jacob, good to be with you. Good to be with you as well, and uh, thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. You can comment at 877-381-4567. That is a toll-free line, and that line is open, ready for you to jump on. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, and you can sign in the chat room with other listeners tonight. Kyle is behind the board tonight. Kyle, welcome back. It's good to be here. Good to have you here. Look forward to hearing from you, too, if you got something on that side of the of the board tonight. And, uh, well, if you have not sent in an email with your snail mail address uh, to get your free bumper sticker to help us spread the word, we want to help you do that. We would help like you to help us get the word out. Send an email with your mailing address to questions at collegeview.com. We'll get you a bumper sticker understand there's some in Georgia that are being passed around down there, and others uh, around uh, the country are toting that uh, bumper sticker on their vehicle. little bumper sticker you can put it on your window. It won't mess up the paint. won't mess up anything, but it yeah. will help people out our program. Exactly right. Had uh, somebody uh, just last week uh, saw on the back of ours, the virtual policy, what's that about? We got to tell them about it, so yeah. uh, you never know. Good, good. So help us spread the word. Okay. Uh, and also get on our email update list. If you're on our email update list, you get two emails a week from us. One is a Thursday email that updates you on our topic for discussion on the virtual Bible study that night. It gives you the topic we want to discuss and some questions we hope to cover. And then that gives you a chance to compose some answers and get them to us early if you want to. If you're not on that email update list, send us your email to questions at collegeview.com. All you have to do is send us an email and put in the subject line, add me to your list, and we'll do that. You also get, we try every Tuesday to send out an email version of our weekly uh, church bulletin here with articles that we think are helpful, and you'll get that too if you're on our update yep. list. So send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and we'll do it. Earlier today, to our update list. Yes. You know, this is, well, let's go ahead and say it. This is Easter week. That's what everybody in the religious world calls it. Uh, I, I think we should start with a caveat, Jacob, and that is that we don't believe that the New Testament teaches a special religious observance of a day called Easter. We've talked about that before on the virtual Bible study, and so we're not going to go into great depth about that, but we don't believe that authorizes, instructs us, to have an annual 
special day observance of the resurrection of Jesus because that's what Easter purports to do. Um, there, there's just no indication in the New Testament that we should be doing that. What we do every first day of the week is observe the Lord's Supper uh, to remember the sacrificial death of Jesus. But we we don't believe that there's a special authorized observance of one day a year to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, that That is a man-made tradition. Uh, it's without biblical authority, uh, and so, although we're talking about the resurrection tonight, we're sort of we're sort of in tune with what other people are talking about this time of year. We are not doing this because we believe that there is a special annual significant day. We are, we should be grateful for the resurrection of Jesus every day because without that, and we'll look at some verses. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we we are without hope. So it's very important. The evidence of the resurrection is very important. Uh, and, and some questions arise. And so we just thought we would deal with some of those questions that arise about the resurrection. Tonight. All right. So you asked some questions earlier today. Okay. So to our update list, we sent out these questions. Number one, concerning the three days and three nights, Jesus had predicted that he was to be three days and three nights uh, in the earth. Uh, with that question in mind, on what day was Jesus crucified and on what day was he resurrected? And based on the timing of those days, does it fit the prediction of his time in the grave? So that's our first question, really about the three days and three nights. We've got some, uh, we've got Stephen in the chat room who has sent in an email, and we're going to disagree with Stephen. We're going to take a different view than he does, but I think we can both come to a conclusion that, that uh, the prediction, the prophecy of Jesus was fulfilled. I don't know if Stephen will agree with us about that, but but uh, I think we can come to a conclusion that he did fulfill the pro- the prophecy. Then the second question was about the resurrections. Uh, excuse me, the the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection, the eyewitness appearances uh, of the resurrection. Uh, and we asked these questions about that. If the accounts are not identical, does it necessarily mean they are contradictory? How many appearances were there? How many eyewitnesses were there? What is the proper listing of the appearances in chronological order? All right. So we'll talk about those two things. So, folks, I think they've found some contradictions as it relates to Christ's uh, death, burial, and resurrection and his appearances after that. Are these really contradictions? Do they invalidate the biblical story of Christ and the resurrection. 877-381-4567 is the number to call. All right, so let's talk about the three-day and three-night question. But we'll start that discussion by noting Jesus' own words in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Yes. So there's the there's the statement that he's got to live up to. I mean, he made the statement, he made the he made the prediction, the prophetic prediction of his own time in the grave, three days and three nights. Right. Now, I'm going to go through what I think is a reasonable explanation of this, and then uh, Stephen has sent in an email. I'm going to read his email, uh, who takes an, a different view. But let me just go through that. W- w- Maybe maybe it'd be simplest to just go through this without uh, trying to pick up the comments in the chat room or, or that have been sent in by email. So let's go through this explanation, then we can deal with some alternative thoughts. So if Jesus was three days and three nights in the grave, here's what some see as a problem. 
most agree, uh, not all, but most agree that Jesus died on Friday. And we take that from John 19. In John 19, verse 30 beginning, when Jesus there had therefore had received the vinegar, he's on the cross, uh, he, they, they give him vinegar to drink. He said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost. Mm -hmm. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Okay emphasize here that the Jews wanted the body taken down because the, 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 it was the day of preparation. That's what they called the day leading up to every Sabbath was a day of preparation. Preparations were made the day before a Sabbath. And so uh, the next day was the Sabbath day. They didn't want the bodies on the cross on the Sabbath. Now, remember that in Jewish timekeeping, a day begins at sunset. So... Uh, at, at a, at whenever the sun goes down, like tonight, the sun is going down. So by Jewish timekeeping, although we say it's Thursday night, they're saying it's Friday now. To a Jew, this is already Friday. Once the sun is down on the uh, day yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. So uh, from from John's statement in 19, chapter 19, verse 30 through 34, we're saying that it was Friday in the afternoon leading up to sunset, they wanted the bodies off the grave before sunset because if they didn't, that would constitute the bodies being on the grave during the Sabbath, okay. which began at sunset on Friday night. So we know that Jesus was hung on the cross at 9 o'clock. Uh, excuse me. Um, Jesus was hung on the cross uh, in the, at the third hour of the day, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. He was on the cross for six hours. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 45 says, From the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. It was the ninth hour. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, our timekeeping right. way. So at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus died. So he died on Friday. It was in the afternoon on Friday. Uh, it's clear that he arose very early on Sunday uh, because in John chapter 20, verse 1 it says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, into the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. So very early on what we would call Sunday morning. First day of the week. But it would have been Sunday to her, even if it was still dark, because Sunday started, what we would say, Saturday, uh -huh. Sunday. The first day of the week would have started at sunset Saturday night by our timekeeping. So it was Sunday. So here's our problem. If Jesus died on Friday even late on Friday, was put in the grave, but was already resurrected Sunday morning early. How can that be from Friday p.m. to Sunday a.m.? How can that be three days and three nights? Well, here's an explanation that I think is commonly accepted to be true, 
I think it is the standard explanation of this matter. We're going to get some alternate views here in, from some of our listeners in a minute. But H. Leo Bowles, in his commentary on Matthew, wrote this. The Jews had no word corresponding to our natural day of 24 hours or from midnight to midnight. Their meaning was expressed by a word meaning a night day. And to this they added the custom of saying night and day, or what we mean by a natural day or a revolution of the earth. Hence, to express the time of a part of three consecutive days, they were obligated to say or obliged to say three night days or three days and nights. So what Bowles is saying is they would consider any part of a day or, uh, to be a night day. And, and so what he is suggesting is Jesus was in the grave part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday. To a Jew, they would have acknowledged that to be three night days, three days and nights. Um, now, somebody says that's just an enormous cop out because that, that's just that's just what you want it to mean. But that's not what it really means. And and to that we say, no, that's 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 prove it's provable that that's the way they kept time. Why don't we take a break? And okay. when we get back, you can get into that, because, okay. you know, it sounds sort of like this guy's sort of rewriting history here. He's just trying to make up a story here to explain it. Three nights and days. That's really just three parts of uh, parts part, of three part of days. One, all of a second, part of a third. Come on now. Are we expecting me to buy that? We'll have to find out. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may now have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in a line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. What we need is neither negative thinking nor positive thinking, but realistic thinking. Thinking characterized by enough pessimism to trigger concern, enough optimism to provide hope. The man who does as he pleases seldom pleases the Lord. A sound argument must have more than sound in it. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight, and we're glad that you're listening, and we hope to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or in the chat room tonight 
uh, with other listeners. There, there's some chat going on in the chat room. We can't keep up with it right now. But there, and and we acknowledge that there's alternate views on this question, and they're discussing some of those alternate views in the chat room. But I want to conclude. I want to go ahead and conclude uh, my explanation, and then we can look to some of the rest of this. But in other words, now go back to what we're saying. The Jews, by the way, they express time. If if there was any part of a day, it was a night day. Okay. So part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday would be three night days or three days and nights by Jewish expression or by Jewish time accounting methodology. Okay. And it's not a cop-out because we can show from the Old Testament that they actually did count time in this fashion uh, about years or about days in 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning verse 1, it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Now get that. It says Abijam reigned for three years. Three years, got it. Abijam slept, with, but then in verses 8 and 9, Abijam slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. And in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, reigned Asa over Judah. Now think about that. This Abijam reigned from the 18th year of Jeroboam to the 20th year. 20 minus 18, we'd say he reigned two years. But notice the text said he reigned three years because he reigned part of the 18th year, all of the 19th year, part of the 20th year. The way the Jews count time, which seems different, obviously, than our own way of counting time, to the Jews, that would have been three years. To us, we would have calculated two years. Okay. So they did keep time that way. Uh, notice again in First Kings chapter 12, uh, you may remember the episode where Rehoboam was asked to lighten the load of taxation that Solomon, his father, had placed upon the Jews. And Jeroboam and all the congregation, this is 1 Kings 12, verse 3, beginning. Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. Okay. And he said to them, now get this, he said to them, Depart yet for three days, and then come again to me. And the people departed. Skip down to verse 12. This is 1 Kings 12, verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. So they came on the third day. So if it was, they, they spoke to him on Monday. He says, Come back in three days. What would we say? Well, don't come, don't come Wednesday. Come Thursday is what we would say. But notice, the, the people came on the third day as the king had appointed, saying, come to me on the third day. So they, all the people came on the third day. We, we would say from Monday to Tuesday is one, from Tuesday to Wednesday is two, from Wednesday to Thursday is three days. But they said they came on the third day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They came on Wednesday if we're assigning days to it. That's how they counted time. One more example from the Old Testament, Esther, chapter 4, verse 16. Esther said, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Chapter 5, verse 1, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house. She said, After three days, go fast for three days, then I'll go into the king. But notice it was on the third day that she actually went into the king. 
part of one, all of the second, part of the third, made three days. That's the way the Jews count time. Okay. We're being um, accused of venerating the traditions of men here in the chat room. We're not uh, doing that. We're trying to make sense of what the Scripture we got no, We've got no dog in this fight. We've got no uh, desire to, to justify the Good Friday observance or the Easter Sunday observance uh, or any other uh, tradition of men. We're just trying to make harmony with what the scriptures teach. I, I, here on I don't subject. have I, I don't have a real knowledge of the traditional. Uh, what's, the, what's he say? We're venerating the traditions. Man, I don't know the traditions, man. I'm just I'm just giving an explanation that works and 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 demonstrating from the scriptures that the Jews did count time this way. Now I think the most compelling argument. I'm going to give it real. I got to go quick because we're taking a lot of time on this. But I want to go to Acts chapter 10 in the case of Cornelius. Okay. Because this, I think, just is ironclad that shows that this is how the Jews kept time. So Cornelius, I think all of our listeners know the story of Cornelius. Look at verse 3, Acts 10, verse 3. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. So assign a day to that. It doesn't tell us what day of the week it was, but just for, for, okay. for to keep track of it, say that was Monday. Monday, got it. It was the ninth hour. It was 3 o'clock Monday afternoon. 3 o'clock on Monday. Got it. All right. Acts 10, verse 3. Skip down to verse 9. On the morrow, as they went on their journey, they drew nigh to the city, and Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So it was the next day, the sixth hour, about noon. Tuesday at, at noon. noon. Got so it. that's Tuesday at noon. Okay. All right. Skip down to verse 23. Then he then called he them and then lodged them, and on the morrow went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. We don't know what time, but it was on the morrow. So that would have been Wednesday. On, so they didn't leave that day. The, the men arrived from Cornelius on Tuesday, but they didn't leave till the next day. They left on Wednesday. Wednesday, got okay. it. We're just, we're just arbitrarily assigning these days of the week, just for reference. Now, skip. Uh, so on verse 24, And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited. So that's got to be Thursday, right? Yeah. So Thursday, they, they get back to Cornelius' house. Skip down to verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So so at this is Thursday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Cornelius said, Four days ago I was praying, fasting and praying. Four days ago. Wait a minute. That's just 36 hours. That's 72. It's exactly, sorry, 72. 70, it's exactly 72, 72 hours. hours. It's from Monday, 3 p.m. until Thursday, 3 p.m. Monday to Tuesday is one day. Tuesday to Wednesday is two days. Wednesday to Thursday is three days. And in fact, because we know what time of day it was, it was from Monday, 3 p.m. when the angel first appeared to him. Peter is at his house on Thursday at 3 p.m. It's exactly 72 hours later. Three times 24 is 72. If if you were on Thursday and you were talking about something that happened Monday, this is Thursday, so let's let's think this week. You would have said it wasn't yesterday, Wednesday, one day. It wasn't Tuesday, two days ago. It was Monday. It was three days ago when right. that happened. What Cornelius say? He said it was four days ago. So what's what's how do we account for that? 
it proves that it, their way of expressing time was, if it was part of a day, it was a day. Uh, so part of Monday, all of Tuesday, all of Wednesday, part of Thursday made four days to Cornelius. And Peter understood it that way. And there wasn't, uh, Peter didn't say, oh, you, you've, you've lost track of time there, Cornelius. Cornelius was trying to venerate a tradition of men by saying it was four days ago and yeah. it was really just three. No. And so our explanation is that the Jews had that way of expressing time. It's different than ours. We acknowledge that it's different than ours. But to them, any part of a day was a day or day-night or day and night, as they used that uh, idiomatic expression. And therefore, we can get three days and nights in fulfillment of the prophecy of Jesus uh, from that that method of timekeeping, uh, and, and there's no contradiction, and Jesus did exactly what he predicted that he would do. It's interesting that when the Jewish leadership was afraid that there'd be foul play at the burial site yep. in Acts cha- or excuse me Matthew chapter 27 it says verse 62 Matthew 27:62 now the next day that followed the day of the preparation the chief priests and Pharisees came unto Pilate saying sir we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive after 3 days I will rise again command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day lest his disciples come by night and steal him I want to tell you, if I was if I was keeping time, I would say guard the tomb until three until the fourth day. The f- three full days have passed, but they said just guard the tomb until the third day because they knew that if uh, by their way of timekeeping it would have to happen on that third day because he said three days and three nights. Okay. So uh, again. I, I, that is an explanation that works. It harmonizes the scripture. It's it's harmonious with other references we have in the Bible about how the Jews counted and kept time. That is a, a very commonly held view, and I think there's reason to accept it as being legitimate. Um, 877-381-4567 is the number to call tonight. Okay. Well, let me real quick. I want to uh, read an uh, email from... Edward, and or from Ed, Ed in Paris, Tennessee, and then Stephen uh, has sent an email to, Ed tends to agree with us. He says the Hebrew concept of a night-day combination representing a day goes back to Genesis 1, where it emphasizes the completeness of God's work. It is only used by Matthew in the New Testament, first in chapter 4, verse 2, and then in chapter 12, verse 40. Within this latter context, Jesus is referring to the totality of the story of Jonah, and he makes a direct and accurate quotation of Jonah 1, verse 17, and chapter 2, verse 1. That, that this is a Hebraism, Hebrewism, can be readily seen in 1 Samuel 30, verse 12, Esther 4, verse 16, that's one we looked at, uh, where three days, night or day, equals on the third day. Matthew's other references he, he make it clear that the resurrection was on the third day, as do other, the other gospel accounts. In Jewish thinking, this would include Friday, actually Thursday p.m. to Friday uh, sunset is Friday, Saturday, which is Friday p.m. to Saturday sunset, and Sunday, which is Saturday p.m. to Sunday sunset. No matter what time he actually died, pre-day, or was actually brought out of the grave, sunset pre-dawn, John 20, verse 1. It is not too much of a stretch to understand that even in English we are not too pedantic with the time statements. If I say I slaved all day on this project, what do I mean? That I worked a literal 24 hours or from sunrise to sunset or the better part of an eight-hour office day or 
Is it primarily to express a laborious effort? Jesus accurately quoted Jonah to emphasize the role of God in delivering both Jonah and him from the bonds of death. Okay. I think, again, I think Ed is right, and I believe he agrees with our explanation. Let's take a break and then we got to real quickly uh, go to these alternate explanations that are being offered. I want to read Stephen's email when we get back. All right. 877-381-4567 is the number to call tonight. And we're going to get this week's bullet point and get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Johnny Edwards. There's no such thing as Easter Sunday in the Bible. Many people have been led to believe that there is a special day set aside by God called Easter Sunday. The religious world has been taught that this is the day that Christ resurrected from the dead and that we are commanded to observe the Lord's Supper that Sunday in remembrance of that occasion. Let's take a look at what the Bible says. First, the word Easter does occur in the King James Version of the Bible. Quote, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Acts 12, verse 4. But the word translated Easter here in Acts chapter 12, verse 4, is translated Passover 28 times in the New Testament. Only this one time did the translators render it Easter. The American Standard Version renders it properly as Passover. Read the Bible as much as you will, and you will not find one command or example of Christians observing a special day called Easter. We do read of early Christians meeting on the first day of the week to break bread, Acts 20, verse 7. We find them being told to lay by and store upon the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. But nowhere are we told to meet for an Easter service. The Bible teaches us to remember the death of Christ. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, the death and resurrection of our Lord is remembered, 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. This is to be done weekly, not just once a year. Remember, Paul said, quote, Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Galatians 4, verses 10 and 11. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, now four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Remind us, the program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email with your comments or questions, maybe something you've heard that you disagree with, something that you want further clarification on, or maybe you just want to suggest a topic for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. We're talking about the resurrection on the program tonight. There are two Stevens in the chat room, and they're disagreeing with us pretty adamantly. Before we get into that, can we just clarify, are you celebrating Good Friday tomorrow? I'm not. Easter Sunday? No. Okay. So I just we just want to make clear on that. We're not trying to defend any kind of practice here. We're right. just looking at the scriptures to yeah. see if we yeah. can make sense of, of the chronolo- chronological events that are recorded there. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, Steve, one of the Stevens in the chat room sent in an email, and I want, I want to share this because we should all be aware that there are differences of understanding. Uh, as to what day Jesus died on, and I think we all agree he rose on the first day of the week, which is critical. There are differences in, in explanations of the timing of that, and this here's how Stephen explains it. He says that there are three explanations historically. The historical Friday is widely accepted and taught. This is wrong. There is the revisionist view that he died on Wednesday. This, too, is wrong. There's the biblical view Thursday. So he, Stephen's taking the view that he died on Thursday, not Friday, or not on Wednesday, but on Thursday. 
The problem comes because people's lack of knowledge of the facts uh, in question, namely the feast days. Luke 23, verse 50 and following states, And he, Joseph of Arimathea, took the body of Jesus down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, laid him in the tomb, cut into the rock where no one had ever lain, and it was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Most people only know of one kind of preparation day and one kind of Sabbath, that being Friday preparation, Saturday Sabbath. In Luke 22, 7, uh, beginning, uh, it says, He, Jesus, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover, that we may eat it. Uh, Passover day was and is a day, the 14th day of the first month, Abib. Uh, John 19.31 says, The Jews, therefore, because it was the day of preparation, Passover was a preparation day, so the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. He goes on to say, Exodus 12.16 tells us that the first and last day of unleavened bread were special Sabbaths. In addition to the 52 weekly Sabbaths, there are seven more Sabbaths associated with different feasts. One of them is the day following Passover. In our English translation, Matthew 28, 1, refers to the women coming to the tomb on the first day of the week, Sunday, after the Sabbath, singular. However, the Greek words for Sabbath are both plural, but but late of the Sabbaths at the drawing on toward one of the Sabbaths came Mary the Magdalene. This establishes a plurality of Sabbaths, not one, as our translations falsely promote. He goes on to say, I have a five-hour lesson that covers every aspect of this important topic, all of which points to a Thursday crucifixion, three days and three nights, and the earth was the only sign Jesus said would be given to the support to support the testimony that he was and is the Christ. So he says he was in the grave Thursday night and Friday, Friday night and Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday. If Jesus was now, here's here's what I think is is where I would have to. I mean, I, I can I can certainly uh, abide by uh, Stephen's explanation of that. I don't think it I don't think it's accurate in every respect. But I understand. I, I don't have all the answers on this either. But here's the part about Stephen's email that I would have some issue with. He said, if Jesus was crucified on Friday, then we are still lost and looking for someone other than Jesus to come and save the world. Uh, I, I just, uh, we all believe that Jesus died, was buried, that he fulfilled prophecy about his time in the grave, and that he was resurrected on the first day of the week. Now, how we count that time, it, it, Stephen is saying we, we are lost and without a Savior if we take the position that Jesus died on Friday. We just explained how to the Jews and their way of expressing timekeeping would have acknowledged that as being a fulfillment of prophecy. If he wants to different way of timekeeping to come to the same conclusion, then I can abide that. But what I can't abide is him saying that if we say Jesus died on Friday, we're denying that Jesus is our resurrected Savior, and I just can't abide that. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we uh, would like to hear from you on the program tonight. Uh, there's something else in the chat room I've got to comment on. Stephen uh, Troop says, I will recognize April 8th as the day of first fruits because Jesus and the other saints raised along with Jesus were the first fruits of the new covenant. Well, I would have to ask Stephen for his authority in celebrating another a day of first fruits under the New Testament. I don't see anywhere where we're told we need to be celebrating that feast of first fruits. No, in fact, in Colossians 2, uh, we are told that all of those days... Uh, were nailed to the cross of Jesus. 
Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man there judge. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. And so those Old Testament feast days were all abolished uh, when Jesus put an end to that law and establishes his established his own will and testament so if if any of this uh exercise of determining these days is to uh, to recognize certain days like that from the old covenant then certainly that is an error yeah i think so but but i would ask everybody to th- i think i th- i really believe and i'm, I'm not I, I like you said earlier jacob i don't i don't have an axe to grind in this matter if he died on Wednesday, I'm glad to say Wednesday. If he died on Thursday, I'm glad to say Thursday. If he died on Friday, I'm glad to say Friday. To me, it makes sense he died on Friday. Uh, and and we express the reasons why. And I would ask everybody to look carefully at that episode of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Add up the time. that There are time stamps in Acts chapter 10 that help us see very clearly how the Jews kept time, how they expressed the 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 transpiring had passed cornelius said it had been four days we would have said it was three days and the difference being that he accounted time differently than we do uh and and so we just take that and and use it in our understanding and and we move forward Stephen Troop in the chat room says Jesus didn't end the law. He fulfilled it. Well, he certainly did fulfill it, but with that fulfillment, it comes the end. How about the expression there in Colossians 2 that he blotted it out, that he nailed it to his cross? And he foretold that he would, it would pass away in, in Matthew 5, verse 18. When all was fulfilled. Yeah, till heaven and earth pass, not one, one jot or one tittle will in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, if Jesus fulfilled it, then he said passed. that it would pass away. Yeah. All right. Hebrews talks about this as well. All right. All right. Uh, so we've got another question we want to go to. Now, uh, the, the, the follow-up question we had is about the, the chronology of the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. Uh, and this, uh, I, I've just become aware more recently that this is a pretty big issue in some people's minds. I heard of a young man recently who had abandoned his faith because he could not harmonize the gospel accounts of the appearances of Jesus following his resurrection. And he just thought that, that, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were fully contradictory of one another, and, and it caused him to just give up trying to, to explain that. So uh, it, it is, it is a, a big issue in some people's minds. Now, I think we should be ready to give an answer. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Uh, and, and certainly, our eternal hope rests upon the proof that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, if Christ be not ri- uh, raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. And so if, if the resurrection didn't happen, and if we can't be absolutely convinced by the evidence that the resurrection took place, we are in bad shape. We have an abundance of eyewitness testimony. We obviously weren't there to see it for ourselves, but we have an abundance of eyewitness testimony that sets forth plainly that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. All right. You know, a lot of these so-called contradictions that are, would be so obvious if you took them at face value. You know, if, it was, if the Bible was the result of some con man trying to pull the wool over someone's eye, you know, trying to get rich or do... 
Don't you suppose that something as obvious as what these so-called contradictions would be the first thing they went back in and erased and rewrote? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's obvious, oh, he did this on this day and he did it says it's something different on another another passage. Well, I'm a I'm a con man, you know. Somebody, I'd just say, oh, that's obvious. We'll mark that out and we'll change it. Correct that. Yeah. Correct that. I mean, so I, certainly, uh, if it's if it's as obvious as people are saying, uh, then those con- contradictions, so called, would be have been corrected. But there's an explanation here you've got. Yeah, uh, I, I think we can harmonize them. You know, uh, Luke said in Acts chapter one verse three that Jesus showed Himself alive by many infallible proofs. There are many proofs that Jesus was alive. And the, the eyewitness testimony that is given is very essential to us to establish our faith. And, and, and so we can put together, there were a number of appearances to lots of different people. Uh, Paul identifies over 500 eyewitnesses who saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And the reports of the resurrection, it's interesting in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, it says uh, he, he appeared, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6, uh, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So when Paul wrote the, the letter we call First Corinthians, most of those 500 eyewitnesses were still alive and available to be cross-examined, if cross-examined, you will. Cross-examined, okay. Uh, a few had died, he said, but most were still And I think Peter, I mean, I mean, I think Paul there is essentially saying, go ask them. If you want to go ask them. It, it wasn't, this was not, and I've heard this argued, that that the story of a resurrection evolved centuries later. That the early Christians knew nothing of such a thing. It's well, sort that, of like that, that's just that's just absolutely false folklore. They, they knew all yeah. about it, and Paul here is saying most of the people who saw him alive after the resurrection are still around. If you'd like to go question them, feel free to do so. This was this the, the reports of the resurrection circulated immediately, right in Jerusalem where the resurrection occurred. And uh, it, w- it was being told by the eyewitnesses from day one. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. You want to get into these? You let's, wanna... let's grab our last break, and then we come back. We'll try to put a chronology together of these various right. appearances. We'll go fast when we get back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to the top of the hour right after this. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in Him for salvation by doing what He says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us 
Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. Research conducted in past years has shown that anywhere between 62 and 64% of Americans say they plan to attend church on Easter. That can be contrasted with the more typical attendance patterns by which about 4 out of 10 Americans tell interviewers that they either attended church within the last seven days or that they attend at least once a week or almost every week. That information is via Gallup Research. The Word of God says in Matthew 15, verse 8, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight looking now at the so-called contradictions in the accounts of the appearances that Jesus made after his resurrection. Okay. Uh, This is an interesting research that anybody can do. I, I I just quickly went on the Internet today and found... Oh man, dozens of different people who'd put in, put together lists of chronologies of Jesus' okay. appearances, and they all are, are nearly similar. Some are slightly different than others for this simple reason, and that is that uh, not all of the appearances have a time stamp on them, and so some of the appearances you just have to sort of put where they may be because you don't know. Because it, right. but but they're not contradictory. I mean, uh, accounts can be contradictory, but they may also be supplemental. If I told you, Jacob, that I went to Walmart today, uh, but then I told Kyle that I went to Tractor Supply. Okay. So, did I contradict myself? No. It, it may very well be that I went both places. I didn't mention any, them both to either one of you. But if I told Kyle, I, I if I told you I went to Walmart and I told Kyle I haven't been to Walmart in months. That's a contradiction. That's a contradiction. Yeah, we can't harmonize those two stories. Yeah. So uh, understand the difference between, a, even though two statements may not be identical, they are not necessarily contradictory. They may be supplemental. And I think that's what we have to take into account when we're trying to piece together these appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. So uh, here's a list that I think works pretty good. First of all, we, we first of all, he appears to Mary Magdalene alone at the sepulcher. Uh, uh, John records that in John chapter 20, verses 11 and 18. Mark may allude to that in chapter 16, verse 9 beginning. But, but so the first one that Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene. This is kind of an interesting point that I've heard some people make. Sort of a subtle hint of inspiration. If you were a man of that time and you were putting together a, a fairy tale, you were trying to deceive people, trying to get people to believe what wasn't actually true. Right. You would not pick a woman as your principal first eyewitness because women's testimony wasn't considered uh, really wasn't considered legitimate, certainly not considered to be on a par with the testimony of a man in that time. And so the fact that the scriptures identify Mary Magdalene as the first of the eyewitnesses of Jesus is sort of a subtle hint that men, men didn't write that. Uh, yeah. God did. Yeah. So, um, so first to Mary Magdalene, again, you may want to write down these scripture reference, verse 11. Then to some other women 
the other Mary, Salome, Joanna, and others as they return from the sepulcher. Matthew 28, beginning verse 1, tells that part. Uh, so first to Mary Magdalene, then to other women as they were departing from the sepulcher. Apparently, Magna, Mary Magdalene had run off to tell the disciples already. Okay, yeah. Next to Peter alone on the day of the resurrection, Luke 24, verse 34, to two disciples on the road to Emmaus on that same day of the resurrection, uh, Luke 24, beginning verse 13, then to ten disciples, Thomas being absent, and others with them at Jerusalem on the evening of the resurrection day. Um, John 20, beginning verse 19. So now all of those happened on the very first day. To Mary, to other women, to, to Peter, to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and to the ten disciples, Thomas being absent. All on that first day, the first day of the week, the day the resurrection occurred. Then, a week later, he appears to the disciples again, Thomas being present, uh, still at Jerusalem, John 20, 26 and following. Mm -hmm. He appears to the dis then to the disciples when they were fishing at the Sea of Galilee, John 21, beginning verse 1. He appears to above, uh, to above 500 brethren at once, at, at, at an appointed place in Galilee, 1 Corinthians 15, 6, we already read that. Compare that to Matthew 28, verse 16. He appears to James alone, but the circumstances we are not informed about or the timing of that, but Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. And then he appears to uh, to the apostles immediately before his ascension, uh, they accompany him to the Mount of Olives. They saw him ascend uh, in, in, in a cloud. Uh, and, and Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 4, describes that. Uh, but, uh, so I guess what I've just listed is 10. Uh, you could add to that that Jesus appeared, manifested himself to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Uh Luke, when he says he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs, may imply that there might have been even more than that that are not recorded. But we've got, if you count the appearance to Paul on the road to Damascus, which I think is legitimate because he lists himself among those eyewitnesses in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, uh, I was the uh, uh, he, last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 8. If you, if you take all those, I've, I've got 11 listed, 11 appearances. Uh, and they all fit, and you can fit them all together in time. There's no there's no necessary contradiction. You you can make a harmony of that. Um, I think it's noteworthy that on these occasions Jesus afforded the disciples plenty of opportunity to test and see if he was really resurrected. If it was a bodily resurrection, mm -hmm. he he conversed with them face to face. They touched him. Uh, they ate with him. He proved himself to have been bodily resurrected from the from the dead. Okay. All right. So I, I've, uh, again, I, the reason why that seems to be really important is because some people say, "Oh, I just can't, I can't get that harmonized in my mind." Uh, I think it does harmonize, uh, and, and we can and we can make it fit. I had another chart here someplace that I had. Let's see if I can find it. 
And I think it goes through basically the same chronology. What did I do with that? And while he's looking there, 877-381-4567 is the telephone number to use. Let me, let me go through. Here's, here's from another source that lists effectively the same chronology. And, and if you want to write these down and study them yourself, feel free to do so. Mary Magdalene first, John 20, verse 11 and following. The other Mary, Salome, Joanna, and at least one other woman, Matthew 28, verse 1 and following. Simon Peter, Luke 24, verse 34. Uh, the men on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, beginning verse 13. The, the disciples minus Thomas, Luke 24, 36, following John 20, verse 19 and following. That's all on the first day that he was resurrected. A week later to the, uh, the apostles, including Thomas, John 20, verse 26 through 29. Sometime later to seven disciples at the Sea of Tiberias or Galilee, John 21, beginning verse 1. To the disciples in a large gathering in a mountain in Galilee, this had been, Jesus had told them to go there, that he would see them there, Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17. Paul says it happened, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, over 500 witnesses saw him. Sometime in that course of all that, we don't know when, there was an appearance to James, because Paul mentions that, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7. And finally, on the day of the ascension, he was with the disciples at Jerusalem, and they went with him to the Mount of Olives, where he ascended into heaven. And again, you got, uh, and then, and then, much later to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. And I think you got to count that one. Uh, Paul counts himself among the listed eyewitnesses in First Corinthians 15. So if you count that one, Saul on the road to Damascus. There were ten during the forty days that he was alive, following the resurrection, before he ascended into heaven. There were 40 days that he was with his disciples and showed himself in various ways. There's 10 such appearances recorded. And then add the 11th, Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Now, were there some differences in the accounts at the tomb itself on that first day of the week? Some differences in accounts with maybe numbers of angels uh, who... Yeah, was there and when they got there and so forth. Read about that. I think you've got that up. All right. Well, Mark 16, verse 4. I can get that here. Mark 16, verse 4. Oh, quickly. Sticky pages. Uh, 16, verse 4 says uh, that uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome, uh, they came very early in the morning, the first day of the week, came to the sepulcher at the rise of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid. And he told them that Jesus had been resurrected. All right? So, how many got there? We got one. Okay. Luke 24 Verse By the way, two. Matthew 28, beginning verse 1, only mentions one also. All right, 24, verse 2. This is Luke 24. Now, the first day of the week, very early morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, they were much perplexed, and behold, there were two men uh, who stood by them in shining garments. 
So now we've got two angels. Okay. Another so contradiction. Have we got a contradiction? Well, again, remember, statements that are different are not necessarily contradictory. Okay. So I go home and I tell my wife, I saw Jacob today. But then I tell someone else, I saw Jacob and he told me about the virtual Bible study tonight. Okay. Then I tell somebody else, I saw Jacob and Kyle today, and we talked about hunting turkeys Saturday morning. Are those statements contradictory? In other words, to one person, I only mentioned seeing and speaking to one individual, but to someone else, I said I saw two. And to one, I said we talked about one thing. To another, I said we talked about something else. Those are not necessarily contradictory statements. And I think that's the answer. In the gospel accounts that mention one, it mentions the one who did the speaking. It doesn't, and the ones who only mention one don't reference that there was another one. They didn't have to. They mentioned the one angel who did the speaking. Luke's account mentions two. There were two there. One spoke. I don't think there's any contradiction. Okay. All right. We are just about out of time. Kyle, any thoughts from you tonight? No, I just think it's... Uh... Just try to reiterate that we're not supporting <clears throat> the holding of the celebration of Easter. It's just, uh, it's re- actually really is important just to understand that the, the chronological and the chronology of these days and just the hours, it's just, it's a good lesson. It's a good, uh, it's a good study. I, I think, I, and I think you're right, Cal. And I would, I would, uh, I would come to the bottom line saying we believe, we fully believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead in, in accordance and fulfillment of prophecy. It, it happened, and it happened in 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 the in the exact fulfillment of prophetic utterances concerning it. We have full confidence in that. And, and again, I would just object to the statement that was made by one of the Stevens uh, that if Jesus was crucified on Friday, we don't have a, a savior. I, uh, to me, that's what I can't abide. We we can have a difference of opinion on what the crucifixion day was and try to explain the timing differently, but. And I think we've given reason why we believe what we believe. He's tried to give reasons why he believes the day that he believes. But I'll tell you, that doesn't change the fact that we believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead according to prophecy. We all we all feel that way. Uh, we are not without a resurrected Savior. All right. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard on the program tonight, we'd encourage you to give us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Kyle, thank you for being here tonight. That's good to be here. Dad, thank you for your time. Take it. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word, and hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.